0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: A sweet and deadly mystery. I'm Jason Horton.
0: I'm
2: Rebecca Lieb.
1: And this is Ghost Town.
2: We've talked a lot about poison candy on this podcast, and a lot about mysterious letters. We covered the Timothy O'Brien pixie sticks uh, mystery. We talked about razor blades, apples in New Jersey. We've covered, again, people stalking people via the mail. Well, this has both of those things. Today, we're talking about the Japanese mystery of the monster with 21 faces, which sounds as terrifying as it was back in the 70s and 80s. So it all starts with Izaki Glico, and I apologize if I mess up uh, his name or any of the Japanese names in here. He was the CEO of Glico. It's a giant food company established in 1922 and based out of Osaka, Japan. Glico makes a ton of stuff, curry, baby formula, dental supplements, for example. Today though, it's best known for candy. And it's the exact type of Japanese candy you're thinking of. The really cool, like brightly colored, innovative design, fun packaging. In fact, its most popular item, you probably know, Pocky. Very fun, very delicious. But Pocky was not The same back in the 80s and 90s because it could have killed you. So around 9 p.m. on March 18th, 1984, the president of Glico and the grandson of the company, Katsuhisa Izaki, came home from work and took a bath. He had been president for around two years at the time and was either bathing with his children or having a bath, his children close by, hopefully the latter. His kids were Yukiko, who was four years old, and Itsuro, who was 11 years old. Little did he know, masked men broke into the condo next door where his 70-year-old mother, Yoshi, lived. They tied her up with cut telephone wire and trashed the place, taking only the key to Izaki's house from her. Soon, Izaki heard strange sounds in another part of the house. As soon as these sounds registered, two armed, hooded men burst into the bathroom, and Izaki and his kids were panicked. Izaki's wife, Mikio, and his other daughter, Mariko, who was seven at the time, were already tied up in the living room, and the assailants cut the house phone lines and took izaki and his kids into the main room apparently makiko offered them men money begged them to let her go and her kids and they responded be quiet money is irrelevant and that will be a theme of this case the two men took izaki who was completely naked at the time having just left the bath out of his home to an abandoned warehouse the police were notified the next day and searched for some signs to where Azaki was. Not too long after the search began, a ransom note was found in a nearby phone booth demanding a billion yen, about $4.3 million in 1984, and 220 pounds of gold bullion, which is about $1.3 million at the time. Some sources say that a call from the phone booth went to the Glico company. Others say it was a letter. Altogether, it was the largest ransom demand ever made in Japanese history. Detectives were just starting to chase down the leads when, after two days in captivity, Izaki emerged from the warehouse and seemed, like, kind of okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, Izaki wasn't super useful in figuring out who took him or what happened. He said he had a bag placed over his head for pretty much the entire time and had been given some clothing by his abductors. They fed him juice and crackers and told Izaki his eight-year-old daughter had also been kidnapped, which was not true. Eventually, Izaki was able to loosen his bindings and kick down a door. He ran down the street barefoot to freedom? While he believed they had been carrying toy guns, the only thing Izaki was really able to provide to the police by way of information was identifying the warehouse, which is close to the river. He couldn't tell the police who kidnapped him again or why. So Izaki is fine, his family is safe, but we are just getting started. On April 10th, 1984, less than a month after Izaki's abduction, a bunch of cars in the Glico parking lot mysteriously catch on fire— A couple weeks after that, there's a second fire on company property damaging the building itself. And then, less than one week after that, on April 16th, 1984, a plastic container full of hydrochloric acid was found inside a Glico company building, a different one from the fire, but same city that Izaki was held captive. But there was something else besides hydrochloric acid found in the container. There was also a letter. It was addressed to Glico and demanded a one-time payment to end the harassment. At around the same time, a similar letter was sent to the media. It said, To the stupid police, are you idiots? If you were pros, you would catch us. Because you guys have such a high handicap, we're going to give you some hints. So it's already like so cinematic at this point, this cat and mouse game that nobody asked for and we're not even sure why it's happening. The letter went on to include the following hints that the getaway vehicle and the abduction of Izaki was gray and that the abductors had purchased food from a well-known supermarket chain. They further taunted the police by speculating, should we kidnap the head of the local police? The note was signed, Kajin Nijushi Menso, inspired by a popular series of Japanese detective novels. It translated a couple different ways in a couple different languages as the mystery man with 21 faces, the phantom with 21 faces, or the monster with 21 faces. In May of 1984, more letters arrived, not only to Glico, the candy company, where they were attempting to extort millions and millions of dollars, but to police, to press. Letters abounded. They all shared the same sarcastic tone and signed, The Monster with 21 Faces. In all of these letters, The Monster with 21 Faces began to make allusions to them having laced Glico products with potassium cyanide, a toxic substance that you probably heard about, if properly administered, could kill people, especially kids. I think we've done a couple episodes on the lethality, if that's a word, how cyanide can kill you, or at the very, very least, make you incredibly ill. As a result, Glico was forced to pull all of its products off store shelves, roughly 21 million worth of products. Ironically, this amount was more than three times the original ransom demand for the company president, Katsuhisa's Izaki's safe return. Glico's reputation obviously took a huge hit. Its stock price plummeted, it laid off a thousand employees, but at the end of the day, none of the products were laced with poison. They were just threats. The closest thing to products being tampered with was a security camera capturing a man wearing a Yomi Muri Giants baseball cap and business suit, putting what looked like tainted Glico candy on the shelves. And the footage was only looked at after someone noticed the Glico candy, which at the time had been recalled and was not being sold. The footage was distributed to the media, but the man was never identified, so caused a commotion, but couldn't help contribute to the solving of the case. In June, another fire occurred on Glico property, and someone claiming to be part of the Monster with 21 Faces contacted Glico, telling them that a payment of $1.3 million would end the harassment for good. Of course, there were even more letters. One letter read, Dear dumb police officers, don't tell a lie. All crimes begin with a lie, as we say in Japan. Do you know that they referred to investigators as poor stupid cops and in one letter even teased police for failing to intercept a phone call with Glico administrators You thought you could fool us dressed up in your nice businessman's blue suit acting like salarymen but those shifty eyes gave you away The letters constantly blamed the police for not catching the monster with 21 faces and kept sharing details of the crimes details that no one else would know but the perpetrators Another letter sent to the police said Why don't you keep it to yourself? You seem to be at a loss. So why not let us help you? We'll give you a clue. We entered the factory by the front gate. The typewriter we used is Panwriter. The plastic container used was a piece of street garbage. Monster with 21 faces. So now at this point, we're just kind of signing it Monster with 21 Faces. We've got the name. We've got this whole persona behind these letters. On June 26, 1984, the Monster with 21 Faces kind of chilled out. They sent a letter to the press, which was addressed to our fans throughout Japan. In this letter, the mysterious group announced that they were going to take it easy on Glico moving forward. The president of Glico has already gone around with his head hanging down long enough. We would like to forgive him. They then wrote that they had, quote, become bored with this affair and were heading to Europe to escape the muggy Japanese summer. Japan has gotten terribly hot and humid, so when our work is done, we want to go to Europe. Geneva, Paris, London, we'll be in one of those places. Let's bring Pocky, the traveler's friend. Delicious Glico products, we're eating them too. See you in January of next year. Which obviously, for a country that was in panic about being poisoned for a company just at odds with this amorphous villain, shocked everybody. So we're going to take a break. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go
0: to your happy price, price Priceline.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by Best Fiends. I have to tell you about Best Fiends. It's a fun puzzle game on your mobile phone. If you know me, you know I love to research true crime, the paranormal, hauntings, and weird history, but sometimes even I need a break. And Best Fiends is perfect. It really challenges my brain with all the fun puzzles, but it's a casual game so it doesn't stress me out. I love that every time I open the game, there's always something new going on. Whether it's a new challenge, fun monthly event, or just new levels. I just reached level 500, so I'm pretty proud of myself. I love going through all the puzzle levels. It's really relaxing. This awesome mobile puzzle game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. The makers of Best Fiends have created a whole world right on my phone. It's bright and colorful, with great graphics, and there's a story behind all these cute characters. I'm a huge Thorn fan, actually. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on this game. So, join me and millions of other people who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Hi, hello, how are you? Hi. How are you doing? Hello. Are you well? Are you? Are you? Be honest. You are.
2: <laughs> okay, you're good? Y- you're good? You're good? Good, okay. Those are your affirmations <laughs> for yeah, the day. Like a panting, like, huh? Good.
1: I do it every morning, and yeah. look at me now. Look,
2: look at you. No, don't, please don't. <laughs> Oof.
1: We have some interesting governmental news. Yeah? There has been a shift. (laughs) There has been a, I'll call it a paradigm shift. (laughs) I don't think that's correct, (laughs) but I'm going to use the word anyway because I feel like it. That's
2: really self-aggrandizing. I like it. So,
1: you know, we have our veterans Mm -hmm. that have been part of the government for quite some time. Mm -hmm. The grizzled Elders. Ben Forsythe. Ashley Matson, but there are new members.
2: There's a new sheriff in <laughs> town.
1: There is a brand new mayor, Joshua Lambert.
2: Oh, yeah. Welcome.
1: Treat him like one of your own.
2: Please. He's a part of the family now.
1: And we have a brand new governor. Hell yeah. Our brand new governor is Avion Noble. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Please correct me. Avian or Avion.
2: Mm-hmm. Noble. Cool name. Very cool name. I'm, thank you for lending some credibility to us.
1: Yeah, very, very cool name is the governor until they decide they don't want to be governor anymore. <laughs> you know, oh listen, goodness. people, you know, think. <laughs> listen. Shit happens. Yeah. And sometimes the, 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 that shit is us. Yeah. You never hear me curse. Bits.
2: I'm jarred. Yeah. And offended. Yeah, I'm a bad boy. Mm-hmm.
1: So we want to thank the listeners. Anyone who's a patron, and if you want bonus episodes, early access with none of this chit chat, you can go to patreon.com/slash ghost town pod.
2: Yeah, that'd be fun.
1: And we do have shirts. Yeah. Yes. Shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, new ghost town design with black Dahlia. Very cool. We have the Hotel Cecil, mm-hmm. Cecil Hotel shirts that the proceeds go to the Skid Row Housing Trust. Incredible. And a photo that'll most definitely be in my next book, Jim's Burgers, like a retro. And honestly,
2: you sent me this shirt last night and it is so cool and I love the colors of it. It's probably my favorite shirt to date it's a
1: really it is an cool. actually really cool shirt yeah. it looks really good with the orange and, yeah. the, and, and the proceeds for that go to the variety boys and girls club of boyle heights that's amazing so if you feel like you know supporting the charity and wearing a cool mm-hmm. shirt or, or hoodie or sweatshirt you can go to ghosttownpod.com slash store and check that out amazing. that's fun got some new youtube videos coming out You can go to youtube.com slash Jason Horton. You can find the link to any of those things in the description. And everyone's waiting. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all well and good. Where are the Apple podcast reviews?
2: (laughs) Yes. That's what we're all waiting for. me them Oh, boy. All
1: right. The first one could be so much more. (laughs) Five stars, though. Oh, shit. The research Uh, that goes into the podcast is remarkable. I salute the presenters on this. Also, the wide range of subject matter is astonishingly good. I've listened to eight of these podcasts and learned so much from them. Unfortunately, I'm not a fan of the chatting part in the middle where the reviews are discussed. Who like is? This one. I mean, you're kind of contributing to it by doing it, you know. Yeah. That's okay. I, you know, we, we appreciate it. It lends no value to the podcast and has irritated me immensely. <laughs> Last night's listen included a lot of talk and no substance, mostly about why the presenters continue to include the banter part of the show and defending it. I had to turn it off at that point as it was so annoying. That's me. That's me done with the podcast as I wanted to be a way to relax and learn. It's a shame that it could be so much more enjoyable with the right format for me personally.
2: Yeah, yeah. I love how th- – we still get five stars though. So, Which I, listen, it
1: was you know really, really complimentary. I – I have you ever watched a television show before? Because you, there's commercials there. <laughs> I guess you w- literally watch or see – or maybe they're just less annoying. That's a problem. I don't know.
2: the problem. Podcasts are free. And I think everyone – because there's so much free content, they're like, well – it's free and it's not perfect to my ears. Yeah, I'm offended. And
1: you know, your opinion is, is very valid and it's sure. Not, it's not wrong. No. Um, but what about if there's one person that enjoys it, so they can't listen to it because? And listen, I get you can, but you can, you know, they make it so easy to fast forward. I've done it. I know. I do it literally all the time. Sometimes I listen. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. Uh, we're all in the same.
2: Exactly. Boat. Exactly. And I'm holding back. Let's be honest. I could talk about a lot more.
1: Oh, yeah. You don't know the way things used to be. Uh, <laughs> they were way different. That was from Listening in UK yeah. from Great Britain. Thanks. But thank you for, sure. for reviewing it. Hmm? Amazing. <laughs> I love this. It makes you feel like you're talking to someone casually, and it's funny, yet you, you learn something new or want to visit somewhere where something odd happens. Would recommend to anyone who likes comedy and haunted places really miss Rebecca's dating stories uh, as it doesn't deserve the hate. Well,
2: that it gets. well, well.
1: Another Great Britain from Cherry Blossom. Well. Uh, You know, there's one for you. What do you guys
2: want? I'm confused. More dating stories, less dating stories. Yeah,
1: maybe some in the middle. (laughs) Okay. Love. I listen to this podcast at work. So good. (laughs) Ashlyn and Joe, 86, from the U.S. and A. I love it. And I know some people have already shut this off. But there's more, there's more content,
2: I guess, with the question. Yeah. We'll call um, it content. Let's get back to the content. To the year 1984. It is June. We are in Japan. The monster with 21 faces has stopped harassing Glico Candy Company. And that, that's true. They sent that letter saying that they were going to vacation in Europe for the summer. I don't know if that happened personally. No sources said confirmed that. Yes or no. But they did stop harassing Glico. But they did not stop harassing as a whole. Instead, they turned their attention to other giant food corporations, the rival candy company Morinaga, House Foods Corporation, and Marudai Ham. I hope I'm saying that right. Marudai got it first. On the same day that they offered the peace treaty to Glico, they agreed to stop harassing Marudai if they paid a ransom of 50 million yen, approximately $250,000. If they agreed to those terms, they would be provided with detailed instructions on how to deliver the money two days later on a train headed from Osaka to Kyoto. On the money drop day, June 28th, 1984, a police investigator disguised himself as an employee of Marudai Ham. He hopped on the train to Kyoto where he was to be on lookout for a while. He was looking for a white flag hanging outside the train. As soon as he saw the flag, he was supposed to toss the bag of money he was carrying Outside, where it would be picked up by a member of the monster with 21 faces. While on the train, the officer noticed a suspicious-looking man. He described this man as being physically large, kind of brawny, I guess, short hair, glasses, and, quote, eyes like those of a fox. And this guy was staring at him. The officer was staring right back at him. They were having a real train stare down. The signal for the money, the white flag, Never happened. So the officer rode the train all the way to Kyoto and prepared to take the next train back to Osaka. He noticed the man was taking the same train back to Osaka. The fox-eyed man, as the suspicious guy would later be known, became kind of the public face of the monster with 21 faces. Even though he was just a guy, he was never confirmed to be connected to the crime ring or anything. Just a weirdo. On a train. But then the monster with 21 faces hit up Glico's rival candy company, Morinaga. Same type of letters, written in the same type, same sarcasm. The only difference was that these letters seemed to become more threatening. One letter containing 30 grams of sodium cyanide demanded a ransom payment of $400,000. In October of 1984, a letter was sent to Japanese media addressing the moms of the nation. It said, To moms throughout Japan, in autumn when appetites are strong, sweet, and really delicious, when you think sweets, no matter what you say, it's Morinaga. We've added some special flavor. The flavor of potassium cyanide is a little bit bitter. It won't cause tooth decay, so buy the sweets for your kids. We've attached a notice on these bitter sweets that they contain poison. We've put 20 boxes in stores from Hakata to Tokyo. Really mocking tone, but they're kind of solidifying the fact that while... With the other candy company, Glico, it was threats. This, it feels more real. Police began to search stores and cities all across Japan, and this time they actually found more than a dozen tainted products. Morinaga Choco Balls and Angel Pies dosed with sodium cyanide. At least six items had a lethal dose inside. During the extensive search, which involved tens of thousands of police officers, it was discovered that the laced items had been given obvious typewritten labels, which read, danger contains poison. You'll die if you eat this, the monster with 21 faces. So they're doing these things, but they're labeling it really clearly. It's like a game or a joke. They clearly don't want to kill people. That's not the aim. And they certainly don't want money. That's also not the aim of this organization. It's to keep people in perpetual fear. It's to use Japan's resources to try to find them and try to protect the public. But the fact that like they have a note on the things that are poison is so game-like to me. More letters after that, of course. This time, they hinted at the lace packages not being labeled, which would make identifying them almost impossible. Of course, everyone in Japan was completely fucked up about this, and the company's products were pulled immediately from the shelves. Same thing as Glico, Morinaga had a huge blow to sales, stocks went down, they let go of roughly 450 employees, which is the status part too, because it's like so out of their control. Months later, in February of 1985, police would find several more laced Morinaga products in Osaka, Tokyo, Kyoto, Hyogo, and Aichi. In November of 1984, the monster with 21 faces decided to go after the House Food Corporation, a company known for its curry and tofu products. One of the first letters to them had a packet of poisoned curry and a note that read, We are the culprits involved in the Glico and Morinaga incidents. If you do not want to become another Glico and Morinaga, put out the cash. If you don't respond, we'll poison your products. Simple, Simple as that, really getting right to it. House Foods decided not to play the same game as Glico and Morinaga. They were going to pay the ransom of 100 million yen, approximately $400,000 at this point in time. They didn't want to mess with it. November 14th, 1984, House Food reps were given the directions to drop the money at a location in a trash can marked by a white cloth. But then... The monster with 21 faces called it off. The white cloth, which was supposed to be draped over the canister, was laying on the ground, indicating that the deal was off. Interestingly enough, the fox-eyed man was spotted by the police close to the house foods drop-off location, along with a suspicious station wagon with a thin driver, estimated to be in his 40s. The van was found later abandoned in an adjacent town. In December 1984, the monster with 21 faces chilled out on house foods and went for Fiji, a Japanese retail and restaurant chain. In January, the police publicly released a sketch of the fox-eyed man who had now been encountered near two of the supposed drop-off locations. In February, more letters came for Fujia and again for Morinaga, but also Miji and Lati. Valentine's Day was approaching, might as well hit more candy companies. Again, really popular, really giant candy companies. Hope I'm saying their name right. I was familiar with them because they sell them here in Little Tokyo, at Sotel. Some warinaga candies laced with cyanide were found on shelves clearly marked as poison. It was, at this point, a year since the monster with 21 faces appeared, and no one was happy with the police. An editorial in the newspaper Yomiuru Shimbun contained the line, We do not recall a case in which criminals have made such fools of the police. That summer, Shoji Yamamoto, the 59-year-old police superintendent of Shiga Prefecture, was fired. He had taken the failure to catch the Monster with 21 Faces really, really personally, and just days after his firing, doused himself in kerosene in his backyard and burned himself alive. Just days later, on August 12th, 1985, the Monster with 21 Faces sent their last known message to the media. In the letter, they pointed out single police officials that had been overseeing the investigation into them and announced that they were retiring from harassing food companies and terrifying the public. Yamamoto of Shiga Prefecture police died. How stupid of him. We've got no friends or secret hiding place in Shiga. It's Yoshino or Shikata who should have died. What have they been doing for as long as one year and five months? Don't let bad guys like us get away with it. There are many more fools who want to copy us. No career Yamamoto died like a man. So we decided to give our condolences. We decided to forget about torturing food-making companies. If anyone blackmails any of the food-making companies, it's not us but someone copying us. We are bad guys. That means we've got more to do other than bullying companies. It's fun to lead a bad man's life, monster with twenty-one faces. And just like that, they were gone. Of course, the search for them did not stop. The police investigated at that point over one hundred twenty-five thousand people and followed up on twenty-eight thousand three hundred public tips. The problem was, like I said earlier, there was no clear motive as to why this was happening and by whom. So there's three theories, some better than others. Theory number one, the monster with 21 faces was some kind of stock psychoanalyst guy. Each company took a hit, but when they were left alone, their stock price surged. And also the culture around Japan at the time was to try to support these companies, help them. So when their products went back in the markets, people bought a ton of them, which again, feels like maybe not the safest thing, but... People really back these companies that they had a long history with. It's like Nabisco or something, like things that we as a culture really align with. Japanese people at that time did too, and they were really on these large companies' sides. So maybe it was a money-making effort, maybe. Two, the Yakuza, the Japanese mob. Around the time that the monster with 21 faces disbanded, the Yamaichi War happened, a violent four-year conflict within the Yakuza that resulted in a major overhaul to the crime ring structure. So maybe this was a part of the Yakuza, things weren't going well, different areas were vying for power, and they kind of broke it up because they didn't want to work together. The time of this happening and the Yamaichi War are very, very close, so I think it's hard to ignore any kind of lack of Moptai. 3. Manabu Mizyaki. ...who was identified by investigators in January of 1985. He matched the physical description of the Fox-Eyed Man sketch... ...and also was involved in a labor dispute with Glico. He was also always kind of around during some very sketchy whistleblowing incidents... ...one of which pointed out how Glico had been illegally disposing of industrial waste in local bodies of water. Conveniently enough, Manabu Mizuyaki's father was a Yakuza boss... ...which fit the MO of the monster with 21 faces... Miyazaki had airtight alibis, but he could have been one of the organizers. He published a book about his experience, which is titled Topomono. The book details primarily the difficulties of being a major crime suspect in one of Japan's most iconic crimes, and how the association would carry in the following months and years into his life and affect him. In 1995, the statute of limitations out on Izaki's kidnapping ran out. In 2000, it expired on poisoning of any candy. The week prior, a press conference had been held at the National Police Agency headquarters and an NPA official named Yuji Ayura admitted defeat and regret at having not been able to solve this case. Katsuhisha Izaki, the man whose kidnapping had jump-started this whole thing and the investigation back in 1984 was at the press conference, still acting president of the Glico company. To this day, the identity of the monster with 21 faces remains unknown. I'd never heard of that before. I went into a huge deep dive on it. There's not as much information as you would think, especially it having been not that long ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, as soon as you started this, I was dying to know Mm -hmm. what the result would be. And I I had a feeling that there was none. But then also at the same time, that's what makes it so interesting, Mm -hmm. the not not knowing. And yet it isn't that long ago. And I wonder... I don't know. I wonder, in in retrospect or in hindsight, if there's other things they could have done to find this out. Mm-hmm. There's also maybe the possibility that they didn't want to find it out. Like maybe there's
2: police a, connections or something,
1: corruption. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe For maybe sure. listen. I've been to Tokyo once and I've been to Kyoto once. So my opinion is
2: <laughs> yeah, you're a pro... You're an expert.
1: It's pretty. M- I mean, no one's mm-hmm. asked me about it. You mm-hmm. know, so it's odd. this whole time. It's very odd. So and yeah. I've been just sitting here waiting.
2: Just just waiting. Yeah, I, I think. It, I, it must be mob-related, I think. But I chaos. Also, it's like a chaos. But I also fucking love it because it's like – for me, I'm very like – I try to be, again, like anti-corporation, like big corporations and the power that they have. So I love – like this feels kind of like in the same vein of GameStop where it's like we're going to try to beat you at your own game. You think you're making money? We're going to make money off of you. We're going to damage you and you're never going to know who we are and we can do it again at any given time. Like, can you imagine if this happened in America – I don't know what it would result in, but I just think at any point we can come in here, fuck with everyone's food products, and then vanish. Like, that is that sounds so traumatic. The industry of Japan has recovered from this, but I'm sure there's some vestigial fear and panic. I don't know. You were there once. That's-
1: but I think, you know, it happens, you know, when things, it's not necessarily the same thing, but when there's when like botulism or if like mm-hmm. a can is dented like yeah. you can't and i think that kind of lingers you know like certain lettuces you couldn't eat there's always those kind of things and i think those things even they linger and i'm sure there's probably people in japan when they you know pick up a pocky or, or something like that maybe they're just like i choose to never eat this again mm-hmm. based on how traumatizing this scare was so mm-hmm. and when people don't want money that is if, or power. That, yeah, I mean, it's I guess like
2: why are you doing this? Yeah. You're just fucking with people. It's like
1: yeah, it's like chaos. It'd be mm-hmm. like why people would hack into something and not want anything. It'd be like mm-hmm. that, uh, like that equivalent.
2: Yeah, and really, only one person died in this case. I'm sure there were many more who were traumatized by it. You know, clearly the presidio, you know, and yeah, the, the, there were people that were affected by it. But there's only one death, and that is a self inflicted death. In this whole case, which is also ins- insane, given the amount of panic that this caused.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, you, there's been enough time that passed where somebody would... There's always somebody that knows something, mm-hmm. you know, connected to it or not connected to it. And I feel like the truth would be revealed by this point. And I don't yeah. see at this point after why somebody would be like, oh, P.S. Which
2: was why I think it's mob related. No mob member is going to be like, that's time to... Talk this out.
1: You really have it out for the mob, huh?
2: I hate the mob. You heard it here first. And last, probably. (laughs) And last.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take